Hey folks, welcome to the CyberHub slash CISO Talk podcast, our November special veterans, um, November special, all of our content around veterans this month, all of our special content beyond everything typical that we do. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Joining me today is Steve Higdon. He's a cybersecurity program director, a Army Reserveist still, hard working individual who does the civilian and military thing. Steve, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a really good. Uh, I don't think I've been introduced that way in a very long time. And as far as hardworking, I'm really good at faking it. Well, I'll tell you something. When you're in the military, the higher your rank, the more you fake it hard work. Sure, right? sure, sure. I mean, that's just the way it is. When you're in E3, you're pretty much busting your tail. When you know you're you're, you're a GS14, you're pretty much sitting on your tail. Yep. Um, yep. And so um, just to give our audience a little bit of background on Steve, Steve is a 10-year active duty Army before uh, moving to the reserves in 2014. You've got about five more years. In the civilian world, you've been since 2014, so six years. Congratulations. Thank you. That you're a civilian. He's not wearing uniforms for those watching, uh, for those listening. He's actually dressed in a very nice corporate shirt today. <laughs> um, he started out as a cybersecurity analyst for the Air Force. You're now a cybersecurity program director supporting both Green Zone Solutions and the SEC. Is that the Security Exchange Commission? Correct. I'll have some friends at the SEC. And sure. you were formerly the host of the Insider Threat Podcast, um, um, which is a very cool podcast for those who can go back and listen to it. Um, I think Insider Threat is a really big deal that most people uh, just don't generate enough time talking about it. Sure, sure. It's part of this whole zero trust thing. So um, before we kind of um, – l- let's get started. So – I said you're in the Army. How long you were in the Army about for about 10 years? What did you do in the Army? Yeah, active duty Army for, for 10 years, and I was a 25 Bravo. I guess I'm still a 25 Bravo, which is kind of your basic IT person uh, in the Army. So, so how did you end up in security? Uh, interesting. So when I, when I first joined the Army, and a, a lot of folks are like this, um, I, I was very cocky. Uh, especially like I started with help desk, just like most people, uh, on the it side. Um, but I assumed that I was, uh, you know, the smartest person in the room all the time. And I had, I may or may not have had some behavioral issues as well in the army. Um, but I did my job very well and I took a lot of pride in my job. So, uh, from there I quickly moved on to, you know, system administrator, a little bit of a uh, network administration, and then come probably probably around 2008 um, that people started talking in the army about this crazy information security thing. Like this was a topic that we were supposed to start caring about. So I happened to have a, a warrant officer that I worked with at the time. And he was kind of, I don't know if he was tasked uh, to look into this information security stuff or um, if he took it upon himself. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Uh, but he saw me, he saw that I took a lot of pride in what I did and I, I tried to be the best at what I did. Um, and he also saw, you know, maybe I had some, uh, some issues with authority. So he kind of pulled me under his wing (laughs) and, um, and he kind of mentored me, uh, you know, at that point. And uh, his name was chief Simmons. Uh, he's out there. He might even be listening. Um, but he, he was really big into, 
kind of molding me and pushing me to uh, continue growing in my, not only my IT career, but introducing me to, uh, before it was even called cybersecurity, really, uh, information security. You know, that's, um, I love the stories of just how people end up from the service somehow, you know, just randomly taking an assignment around information security or data Mm -hmm. security or uh, information assurance. I mean, I've spoken to several people on these episodes where they're like, you know, we didn't even, we called it information assurance at the time. And I'm like, the names that cyber had before it was cyber. Sure, sure. Right? I mean, I like the term information security or data security better than cyber security because I feel like cyber is just a really broad term. Yep, Um, same here. But um, that's crazy. So what was your transition like going from being active duty to civilian? Sure. Uh, And a lot of people won't admit this. Um, They won't admit it to others and they, they... probably won't even admit it to themselves. It probably, it took me a while to admit it, but it's, it's scary. It's very scary, especially when you're coming from, you know, active duty military. It's, uh, you've got a, a very prescribed role. A lot of times, um, one of the, uh, the big sayings that they have that you kind of grow up with in the military is, you know, if you show up on time and in the right uniform, you're going to have a long career. Uh, so you get you get used to a certain level of stability. Um, so then when you're when you're looking out, you know, picture like a, a, a building or a house that's a military and you're looking out the window at this whole civilian side. Um, there's there's a lot to be afraid of. There's a lot to be afraid of. You hear these stories of people who get out and they're working for Raytheon or something like that, especially on the enlisted side. And they're making a little bit of money, but at the time, that sounds like it's a, a huge amount of money. And like, you know, can I do that? You start to question yourself, your own abilities, that sort of thing. Um, luck. Uh, so, so it's a very scary transition. Uh, I was lucky. I actually, my whole career, I, I, I definitely say that I've had a, a lot of, a lot of luck. Uh, so my, my transition itself. I was uh, I was here in the D.C. area, and I had a friend who was a contractor uh, supporting the Air Force, and uh, he was leaving on, moving on to a different job, and he told his manager, like, look, I got somebody who's coming out of the Army. Um, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be a, a shoe-in for this position. And luckily, my last active duty position was with DISA, and I was able to get, you know, uh, a handful of certs before I got out. I just finished my bachelor's degree and all those things really did drive my decision to get out of active duty. Um, so I, I had a, a 10 minute, you know, phone interview, uh, because I was a referral and seven of those minutes, um, was actually the hiring manager giving me interviewing tips because he's <laughs> a, you know, retired air force, uh, senior NCO. So, uh, cause I didn't know what I was doing and I just got lucky. Well, it's it's either lucky or we veterans look out for each other. Sure. And so that's sure. that's kind of one of those, right? A lot of people always talk about the transition from military to civilian and going into the um, defense industry, right? The Raytheons, mm-hmm. the Lockheeds, and so forth. And typically, you go there because the, you're you're going there out of a referral, and you're going into people who come from a structured environment. So you realize you're not going into, you know. 
some startup or mm -hmm. a company where maybe there's a lack of discipline and structure because of the nature of the business being so young, you go to a big organization, they typically are able to accommodate that transition. And there's a reason mm -hmm. people go to the defense industry after. Um, sure. It's because that discipline exists there, right? Yeah. They, yeah. They, they know how to bring you aboard. They know how to they know how to give you that sense of security, that mm -hmm. that ability mm -hmm. to have trust in the system and confidence. And you're working in, the, in a similar terminology. Yeah. Um, it's 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 yeah uh, there's a reason people go there i think there's there's kind of two other things as well um one again you're looking for that sense of comfort uh kind of like what you said and um but two they're looking for somebody who can speak dod language right uh, i remember when i was back with the air force uh later on working for the the ciso there um and i was the hiring manager, it was really difficult uh, to to hire folks that did not have DOD experience that could come in and pick up. I mean, there's a whole dictionary that you don't even think about, you know, if you're actually supporting DOD and right. each of the services themselves have their own dictionary. Um, so that was difficult. So I, there's definitely a value in hiring someone who can come in and either they already know that language, they already know how things operate or they've worked in another service and they can pick it up quickly. Yeah, there's the, the idea of cross switching military, you know, branches going from maybe the army to the air force. People think it's easy. Oh. Well, outside <laughs> of the fact that they have better food at the air force, yes. um, you know, filet mignon and, and, and lobster tail <laughs> um, and risotto and, 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 you know, they, they rarely get MREs. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, um, most 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 people don't understand the idea of languages in the service, which is sure. very weird. And I, I remember interviewing um, um, after I came back from Israel in 2015. So in Israel, when I moved to Israel in 2009, I remember one of the first questions they would ask you in any job interview there was, uh, what'd you do in the military? Because yep. everyone there does military. Military is compulsory. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you have to do it. And so... Um, and, and what you did in the military says a lot about you. Mm -hmm. So if you sure. were an air force guy, you were yep. pretty smart. You probably scored high on your testing scores. If you're, you know, one of the fighting units depends which fighting units you were in. And then if mm -hmm. you're 8,200, you pretty much got venture money and, and started a company or, yeah, um, I was going to say that went yep. to work for a, a, for a really big company, um, mm -hmm. as, as an 8,200, um, uh, graduate but yeah. what a lot of people don't know is 8200 is israel's largest military unit really yep huh yeah israel today has more soldiers in 8200 than they do they have in their combat units wow that's that's very different uh from what we have in the united states but well, it makes sense because you see all of these crazy security startups coming out of israel and they almost all have they they're coming you know with from that background, right? Oh, yeah. From from yep. eighty two hundred, right? But eighty two hundred. So the Israeli military in itself is entrepreneurial, which our military is, by the way. I think the only reason we hear a lot about startups out of um, Israel, um, and we don't see a lot of veteran-run startups by people who come out of U.S. Cyber Command, mm -hmm. or 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 um, other different military units within within yeah, sure. our our branch of the military is. In Israel, the government is vested in those people coming out of the military and staying in Israel 
mm-hmm. and starting a company in Israel and creating jobs in Israel and bringing in tax dollars. Yeah, no, that makes right? sense. Makes perfect and sense. And in the U.S., we don't have that. Like, we're already in the greatest country on the planet. We're not going anywhere, <laughs> right? And we have the and and we have a military industry that's 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 great. Like that was one of the conversations I had about a year and a half ago when I was in D.C. with several people who are executives in the in in the in the defense industry was put some money together and build a VC fund for veterans that are coming out to solve real problems and invest in those companies, have them work as startups, Mm -hmm. have them build a company, put a support infrastructure around them. I go, we would dominate the world in startups, not in Silicon Valley, but in Northern Virginia, sure, in DC, in Maryland. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. Baltimore wouldn't be a shithole. (laughs) It might, it might turn into a really cool city. Yeah. If yeah. people were investing in, 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 cause uh, you know, a lot of the people who come out of those units are either at a base out of San Antonio, Augusta, right. Um, yep. San Diego or Northern Virginia. So, yep. That's so true. it's, it's, you know, outside of Fort Meade. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've met with the folks out of Fort Meade and I'm just like, build an incubator here, folks, build yep. an incubator, yep. get yep. VC money get get people to put in money and we would we would have the same thing the one thing i learned about israel is these there's vc money there and and that's why they start companies because there's people willing to give them money to take a chance on that startup yep yep our veterans don't have that yeah there's there's something that's close but i wouldn't say it's just for veterans uh in the dod they've got uh Sibbers, it's small business innovation right, right. research. Uh, so those are you know small kind of grants. It's it's almost like VC funding that you can get. Um, right, for, but those are seventy five thousand dollars for a proof of concept paper, one hundred and fifty thousand yep, dollars for yep, yep. a POC, and maybe you get a million dollars. Yep, right. Yep, yep. Which which you and I both know if you get seventy five grand to write something, and you're doing it yourself for four months, and you're hiring you know a copywriter, <laughs> a proofwriter, whatever the case may be. Yep. You know, you're talking about something very different. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've been through the process. I, I you're absolutely right. You're absolutely it's different right. from going to a VC who's telling you, "Hey, here's you know, um, um, three million bucks." Sure, and you're also getting that mentorship, right, with the VC, right. much more than you're getting through something like the Sibbers program. Correct. Mm-hmm. And and you're getting to build a company. You're you're going through some of that, and and again, and you're in an ecosystem. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. which is different from the Sibber program, but sure. I think that's one of the shortfalls um, for for a lot of people that that leave that uh, that, that that are um, veterans is, oh, is absolutely that's, that that's a that's a huge shortfall for them. Yep. yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you do today, how you transition into that role, um, and 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 what's it like. Ah, uh, so. Uh... I feel like it's been a long six years. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but but it has. There's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've basically been able to uh, keep building upon my experience, uh, put myself in in positions that were filling gaps, you know, in in the career pathway that I wanted to have. Like I, I see, I very much see the can look at my resume and and see what experience I'm lacking. And then I actively go out and try to look for those. Um, So after working with the, uh, the air forces first CISO, uh, Pete Kim, 
um, I left to work with CACI on a, uh, supporting the Office of Personnel Management. Uh, and there it was really neat. I got to basically run the security program and the IT program eventually um, for a 2,000 person contract. Uh, for we had folks all over the United States doing background investigations uh, for OPM, which has gotten a lot of uh, headlines over several years now. Um, not just the big breach, but beyond that. Uh, and then after that, um, went back to Air Force as a deputy program manager working for the CISO again. And that was really neat because I got to think more on a uh, strategic standpoint and again I, I knew the Air Force like I understood it um, and then from there I became a portfolio director so I was uh, you know several several different customers the Defense Contract Management Agency the US Patent and Trademark Office we had a really good contract there um, and then the uh, Washington uh, sanitization company and then finally WMATA, which if anyone's been to the DC area and you ride the metro, uh, WMATA is the the kind of parent organization around that. So I got to move more into the uh, you know the management side of things, which was great because the the military definitely prepares you for that. So now, uh, yeah, so skip a couple. Um, now I'm with Green Zone Solutions. I'm a cybersecurity program director. So I'm, um, I'm working on cybersecurity tasks and, and trying to improve our posture at the corporate side. But I'm also uh, leading a team of ISSOs supporting the Securities and Exchange Commission. For those who don't know the Securities and Exchange Commission, they're the guys that got Bernie Madoff and, uh, and a bunch of those others. Yes. Very good men and women, by the way, all lawyers, which can't yes. be easy to get anything out of them because they're yeah. all lawyers. Like you can't work for the SEC unless you're a lawyer yeah. and they yeah. all answer questions like lawyers. Mm -hmm. It's like they're pre like they're pre-programmed. There's yep. just something about them. Well, they've got a higher pay scale, too, because they've got to compete with Wall Street, you know, so. Uh, well, you got to so compete with Wall deal. Street lawyers. <laughs> yes. 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 Yep. 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 The, the, it's um, it's very fascinating. I have um, one one of my really good friends works for the FTC, mm -hmm. and he's also a lawyer for the FTC. And um, I find his work to be extremely fascinating, um, mm -hmm. because while they chase complaints, they're actively looking as well, which I think a lot of people don't understand. They're sure. actively looking. And mm -hmm. so if they catch you, if you get in their crosshairs, Lord have mercy on your soul. Yeah. 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 Lord have mercy on your soul. No, it's really weird coming from, you know, primarily DOD and my last two, my last two main positions supporting the federal government have been with the patent and trademark office and now SEC. And it's just a completely different way of looking at things and a different way of, of operating. And uh, it's been really neat. Uh, kind of a, a neat transition it, it, it's a really diverse thing you kind of stayed almost in the government space even though you're yeah. you're 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 you know you're you're in reserves you've kind of stayed close to home you haven't ventured too far away which is great i think True. for a lot of veterans that are looking to break into cyber i spoke to one last two weeks ago um and and i told him i go listen 
start networking with the defense contractors at your base. Mm-hmm. I go, cause that's how you're going to get your first job with no experience. Sure. Right. If sure. you're expecting an organization to give it to you where they don't know you, um, mm-hmm. that's going to, you're, you're really trying to climb a, a really strict uphill battle start in the defense industry one you're going to get paid a little bit more and number two you're going to stay within the frameworks of what you're familiar with yes um yes. And, and and then slowly transition into the civilian world once you're a little bit more you because once you come to the civilian world um um the the dropout rate is insane mm-hmm. simply because you're yes you have some sort of structure but you don't really have a structure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's highly self-driven you know, and, once you get to a certain point and it depends on your boss, mm-hmm. think it, you know, oh, it I, always I've, does, been, right? I've, I've been an entrepreneur now for a decade. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, uh, I've started and sold my own companies and so forth. And so, um, for me, the military prepared me for entrepreneurship because it gave me the self-discipline for structure to sit my tail down at 8am and yep. work. Um, yep. and, um, to not get easily distracted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's why I think like veterans make better entrepreneurs sometimes than someone with a Stanford degree. Sure. Sure. Well, and you've got this, this, uh, I think there's two big things is, uh, first off, um, the United States military is the only, uh, organization really in the world who believes that leaders can be made. Right. Right. Especially on the enlisted side. Um, because you come in and you're filling sandbags essentially, you know, when you first enlist and as you make it through the ranks, you're expected to pick up this, this, uh, ability to lead, to lead other people. And, um, which is very different than what you see on the outside when it comes to management. You know, I, I see a lot of management. I don't, you know, always see a lot of leadership going on, uh, on the outside. So that, that definitely helps. Uh, when you're transitioning and you do get into, you know, management and you're used to, I mean, doing things like barracks inspections, you know, doing health and welfare inspections, checking people's, uh, you know, soldiers registrations for their cars, you know, doing safety checks on their cars. So you're not just uh, managing someone's work performance. You're you're leading them in all aspects of their life. And uh, while you can't necessarily, you know, be to that extreme on the outside, having that experience and uh, I guess I dare say it, you know, having, having the ability to care for those who are under you, uh, that get, that really pushes you a long way. Well, and that translates into better leadership, Yes, right? What's yes. The, I mean, I mean, leadership is understanding that you're pushing from the back. You're not leading from the front. I always love corporate managers who are like, I'm charging up front and you know, there's, there's a perfect <laughs> image, right? There's, there's a bunch of cartoons around this on leadership where you see like the manager and he's up front and there's no one behind him because people have abandoned ship. Right. Yep. And then yep. you see a leader and he's behind pushing his people forward, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of making them, you know, I have a saying that says, if I make you great, I'm, I'm, I'm enormous. Right. So it's, it's only my interest to make you better trained to do your job better, to be a better person. Um, and so forth. So what's one thing kind of wrapping up our interview here? What's one thing you loved about your military service? Oh boy. Um, well, like I said, I, I wasn't necessarily the best soldier when I enlisted. Um, I had that pride, but a lot of that was, you know, um, 
maybe a little bit me full of myself and, and, uh, but it did help me. Uh, the military has definitely given me, um, just a heck of a lot of, of opportunities, a lot of training. Uh, it's, it's a, a place to grow, you know, uh, as not just an individual, but as a professional as well. And they push that a lot, especially once you get into the NCO ranks. Um, you know, just, uh, on the material side, I've, I graduated high school with a 1.6 academic GPA. I had to take a, a correspondence course, like the old school kind where you had to mail it in to finish up, uh, my last math credit so I could go pick up my diploma. And now I've got two master's degrees, you know, I've got a, a handful of certs. Um, and almost all of that was from the army, the army, you know, paid for that and gave me that opportunity. Um, you know, after they kicked me in the backside and kind of, uh, straightened me out a little bit, yep. then, uh, between, between the army and my wife, you know, they, they, uh, really set me up for success and gave me the support structure to succeed. That's, I think that's the one thing about the military, which is, is, is it not only puts you on the track, but it helps you kind of get that young, dumb mm -hmm. out of your system. Yes. Um, yep. So that way when you're, um, paying 30,000 for your education, mm -hmm. um, you're really taking advantage of your education and, and not typically the, I mean, I remember, um, I, I went to the university of Colorado mm -hmm. and I remember my first semester. And I remember where I was in a maturity level as a 21 year old sure, and where everyone who was 18 was at, yep. I mean, I was more mature than seniors on campus. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, yep. freshmen, I couldn't yep. live in the dorms. Yep. Yep. Right. I mean, I mean, the maturity level is, 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 is very different. I think that's, that's a really big aspect of it, Steve. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank you for your service and thank you for continuing your service. You still have a little bit more before yeah, you, yep, uh, yep. you get to hang up the boots and, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and go to an army ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been a, a huge blast. You know, I, I've, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, you're easy to talk to. So thanks again. Well, thanks for coming on. Folks, all of November is dedicated to people like Steve, veterans. So if you're a veteran, you want to come on the show, reach out, cyberhubpodcast.com, or you can reach out to me um, on um, my LinkedIn page. I'll put that up here as well for those watching. Boom, there I am on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach me there. Um, the links are also below for those listening. If you want to come and be on here, we're highlighting veterans. You can be a pen tester. This isn't about title. This is really yeah. about us sharing our journeys, uh, learning from one another, and also highlighting the fact that this country has gems in our veterans. And oftentimes um, we're, uh, we're, we're hiding behind when we should really be leading up front. Um, and, and really people should realize that. Um, hiring veterans, working with veterans, giving veterans opportunities to transition into civilian life is really, really critical, um, not only for veterans, but also for our economy, because veterans do bring a oomph to an organization that just cannot be taught. It's only after you serve in the military. It's after you go through that brotherhood, through that um, training, through that discipline, that you have that oomph that can take you way way forward and can bring a different line of thinking to an organization that could otherwise be stalemated and that's why when people always talk about the defense industry i go 
you'd be they're bigger companies and they get bigger and bigger and more powerful because they know how to bring in this talent and build this talent and be able to develop this talent so that they have more value and that's something that just can't be taught by any university absolutely that's it for us here folks steve uh thanks so much again uh, make sure you subscribe, folks, to the podcast right now if you haven't done so already. I suck at asking you to subscribe, so please do so now. I appreciate every subscription that we get on the podcast and sign up for our newsletter as well below in the description. That's it for us here today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the month of November. Um, I don't know. We're recording this way early, so I don't know you know, what's happening right now politically and how crazy things might be getting, but just everything will be okay our republic is resilient that's it for us here folks james hazer signing off stay cyber safe